Eagles Entertainment. And this is running back Miles Sanders. Give goes to Sanders. Up the middle. 15, 10, 5. Down to the 2. Miles Ooh. Sanders, his first impressive carry. You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast with Dave Spadero. Hi, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadero with you. On a very short week here at the Novacare Complex, hey, nobody figured that the Eagles would be 1-2 after three games in this 2019 regular season. So the task at hand is to go on the road and play a great four quarters. It's something that has eluded the Eagles thus far in the season. A lot of season to go, but of course we've got a lot of injuries to overcome and much to talk about here on the Eagles Insider Podcast in a bit. We will bring in Paul Lancaster, the director of player engagement with the Philadelphia Eagles. A fascinating conversation. How do you counsel the players for success on and off the field during and after their NFL careers? That is going to be a great conversation. But first, let's bring in the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, who in the very short hours after the Eagles lost to Detroit on Sunday had turned the page, looking ahead to the Green Bay Packers. We go one-on-one, as we do every week, with head coach Doug Peterson. Doug, one and two, two very tough losses. You've been down this road before. What do you draw on from those experiences in times like this? Yeah, I mean, we just have to we just have to buckle down. I mean, we draw on the fact that, you know, we're still a good football team, number one. Um, yeah, we do have some injuries, but we've been in both of these games. These, these last two games have been close basically come down to the last play of the game and, and opportunities to, to win it that way. But at the same time, we know we gotta, we got to fix some things. Uh, you know, during the, during the regular uh, part of the football game, we, we can't turn the ball over. We get penalties. You know, we got to be able to make plays on defense, get off the ball. And then, of course, we had the, the untimely kickoff return the other day. we got to address that. But, um, you know, we're, we're okay. I mean, we're okay. The season's still young. We're only three games in, but at the same time now, you know, um, we we gotta we gotta figure out how to how to eliminate some of these mistakes and, and get on the winning track again. And, and you know how it is. I mean, the fans are uptight, upset. The media is gonna come after the players. So, what do you kind of address with the players? You gotta block out the noise. Um, you just have to eliminate all the distractions. You gotta focus on your job. Focus on the team. Uh, stay within yourself and, and and lean on one another. Quite frankly, um, you know, yeah, a lot of things are gonna be. Uh, a lot of going to be said, going to be written, but just continue to trust our process and, and, and what what has got us to this point, you know, um, from just a couple of years ago to, to making the postseason last year. And we just got to focus in on that and, and understanding that. And listen, it's always a, a, just a one-game season. We're just trying to go 1-0, you know, this week, and, and that's what we got to focus on doing. Some young players taking some heat. Miles Sanders, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. This is an unusual position for them to be in. They've had great success throughout their football careers. So how do they kind of emerge from these moments? We, team obviously still really believes in both of these players. Of course, of course. And, and you know, they're out there for a reason. And we, we drafted them for a reason. They're, you know, I, I would say that, you know, most rookies in this league aren't going to play 100%. They're not going to play perfect every single game. And, and uh, these are great learning experiences for these guys. They're going to be so much better for this down the road um, than what people expect. And, 
Um, you know, we have a lot of coaches, we have a lot of trust and faith in these guys and, and, uh, we continue to put them out there. So they'll learn, they'll get better. They'll, they'll correct the mistakes and, uh, and be better this week. Doug, what do you see from the offense through three games? I know it's hard to really kind of make an evaluation given all the pieces that have been in and out. Well, I think if you look at it on paper, uh, we've done, we've done well, you know, we, we've, we've racked up yards. We've been good on third down. We've been pretty efficient in the red zone. Uh, our fourth down efficiency, even though the other day we were fourth and long, but we are fourth down efficiency has been good. Uh, you know, and we're, we're scoring points, maybe maybe not enough. We'd love to score more early, obviously. Uh, so on paper, things are looking pretty good. Where, where it really boils down to is the turnover takeaway ratio, right? Um, and, and penalties. And, and quite honestly, that's, that's what's kind of kept us from either extending drives, scoring points, uh, or even getting off the field on defense. And, and so uh, we just got to continue to emphasize that, keep working in practice, and, uh, and get those things fixed. Which is difficult on a short week because you're not going to have regular practices really for the second consecutive week. So is it just a, a verbal reminder? Hey, guys, focus, discipline. We can't win with these penalties. It's it's what it has to be. I mean, you know, we're on a, we're on a very very short week this week, and and uh, we're only really got two days of practice. We travel on Wednesday, and and then we play a game Thursday night. So um, I continue to talk to the team that way. They have to they have to embrace it. They got to talk amongst themselves that way. And it's not like you have to press and get all uptight. And I still want them to play loose and have fun and have the the, the passion of the game. But at the same time, we got to pay attention to these little little detailed things that have really become big things now for us as an offense, defense, and, and, of course, special teams. How would you evaluate the play from a defensive side of the ball? Well, I think, I think there's, you know, we, we got to address the pass rush. I know, I know that's, that's an issue, putting pressure on, on these quarterbacks. Uh, I thought we did a nice job in Atlanta getting pressure on Matt Ryan and then this past week. And, and listen, too, the other thing, when you really look at these games, teams are – are taking two tight ends. They're blocking up with eight eight man protections, seven man protections, six man protections. So, you know, when you're rushing four or five guys, I mean, it's hard. That's hard too to, to generate pass rush when they have more blockers. So, you know, that's one area of it. But that's an area that we gotta we gotta address. And obviously, on third down, we we've we've given up a couple of third and longer yard yard plays where the where the offense is converted on first, and and those are situations that we I. We've stressed a lot of that in training camp or third downs and getting off the field and, and, and you know, creating, creating a, a, a shorter field for our offense. So, again, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. We've got to continue to trust our process. But uh, overall, I, I, do I like where I'm at as a team? No. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're a good football team. We can always be better than, than one and two right now. Um, a lot of football ahead of us, and so I'm excited about that. Green Bay 3-0. and uh, They've played very solid defense. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. What do you make of that team? Well, and that's the thing is, is offensively they're, they're really settling into to Coach LaFleur's plan and, and, and what he's brought there to Green Bay. And defensively with Coach Petten, I mean, these guys are they're flying around. They're, they're an opportunistic defense. They're creating some turnovers. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're playing with, uh, with a lot of passion, with a lot of excitement and, and, and they should be, you know, and they're three and for a reason. So, um, it's a tough place to play going into Lambeau. Um, crowd's going to be, you know, energetic. It's Thursday night. It's a national TV game for us again. Um, and, uh, you know, tough place, but, uh, we're going to go in there and, and give it our best. Sounds like it's a bit of an us against the world kind of moment, a shock the world moment. I think so. Yeah. I think that's where we're at right now. Let's go get them. 
Thanks so much to head coach Doug Peterson with the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. It's Paul Lancaster, the Director of Player Engagement for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a conversation you won't want to miss if you care at all about what the players are like on the field, off the field, during their careers, and after their careers. Well, you know, here on the Eagles Insider Podcast, we like to take you behind the scenes, not only to meet the players and the coaches, but people in the organization who have jobs that we find very interesting. And my guest is one of those people, Paul Lancaster. Paul Lancaster. Lancaster. Lancaster, (laughs) team's director of player engagement. Hired in 2017, 16 years with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Prior to that, worked at Penn State, California University of Pennsylvania. Apparently had a big basketball game at Cal (laughs) U in Pennsylvania. Paul, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Explain what the director of player engagement does for the Philadelphia Eagles. In a nutshell, Dave, we, we aid in transition. Okay, we we help transition our rookies into the league. Um, we help our uh, guys that are going into second and third contracts transition into that vein, and then we t- help guys transition out of the league. Um, we uh, we have various amounts of programs that uh, we kind of lead in that direction, and uh, it we get to know the players very well. We get to know them personally, and uh, we try to offer that personal service to them. I do tours, as you know, of the Novacare Complex all the time. And when I walk by you and Kathy, uh, your offices, I always say that, you know, reminding people that these are kids that yes. come to the Eagles, that many of them have never been to Philadelphia. A lot of them, are they come on very short notice. Right. And they don't have any clue about what the next step in life is. And as a father of 24 and 22-year-olds, <laughs> you know that children, they don't, they don't know how to pay their bills. Absolutely. I mean, it's very rudimentary for these kids, isn't it? You're teaching them life skills. Life skills. Life skills. Especially when, when we get them as, as rookies. Um, it, it just hit me this year. My, my twins turned uh, 21 this year. And I realized that we have a couple of rookies who are 22 23 mm-hmm. and I said I, I'm, I'm now dad age <laughs> and, 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 it's, and it's amazing but um, we really do help these young men um, find their way um, specifically in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia um, Kathy Mayer who's uh, my assistant in football operations does a phenomenal job of, of helping these guys uh, find homes um, find uh, roommates if they need to um, she, she does a fantastic job. And you realize, Paul, that they don't even, honestly, from my kids, they don't even know how to pay their bills. Right. They've never right. done any of this they've stuff. Never had, they've never had to do any of that. What are some of the pressures that football players have? That, that, I mean, the people out there, they think that a player who's in the NFL is a rich for life, mm-hmm. got it made, fame, fortune, fantastic life. But it's really, really, you got to grow up in a hurry to be in the NFL. You really do. And it's it's a strange it's a strange world it's a world unto itself um when guys come in uh, they are wide-eyed they uh, some of them have just been drafted some of them are come in on free agency uh, contracts and it it really is you know eye-opening for them um as you said behind the scenes the, these guys have pressures of making this team um and, and it and it runs the gamut um, from top to bottom uh the rookies that come in are trying to take a grown man's job. And, and that's kind of uh, how we put it. And it's not an easy task. Um, these The men that are on this team, they are on this team for a reason. And they really are not going to give it to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of uh, one of the pressures that we have for young guys coming in is how do you deal with family members that don't understand that? 
And so uh, you have family members that are pulling on you as young men. And how come my son doesn't have time to talk to me anymore? You know, how come my boyfriend or my husband, um, you know, can't talk to me when he wants to? Well, he's busy trying to make his way in this league, and it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you often get um, a lot of communication from families additionally? Yes, yes. Interesting. Um, you know, especially when I was with Buffalo, I did a little bit more. Um, but I'd have mothers call me, and, you know, they'd be distraught because, you know, my son used to talk to me every day. Now I don't get the talk, chance to talk to him. And, you know, I have to explain that to her. You know, it's not just, oh, they go out and practice one or two hours a day. You know, there's film study. There's competition. And a lot of times parents just don't understand that. We have an organizational mantra in the hallway here at the Novacare Complex. I'm trying to remember the five things. The first one is eliminate distractions. So what are distractions for players that maybe fans haven't even thought about? Um, A lot of times family is a distraction. And you know they, we don't like to to think about that aspect of things, but when you when you're trying to make a football team, your focus has to be on making the team. So what do you need to do for that? You need to study film. You need to be in the weight room. Um, you need to be with your coaches sometimes for extra work, and you need to be on the field. So all of those things take time, and time oftentimes creates that distraction because you don't have enough time to do the things that are necessary maybe to um to take advantage of the family and so that's that's time is a big issue and then another one of those uh, mantras is uh create energy and Mm -hmm. and i always look at interpret that as bring your a game every day here no matter what it's not whether you're an employee a staff member a player because there's a long line of people who are here to take your job is that hard for kids to understand it, it when you're young you don't understand that it's a business and we like to differentiate between the two when, when we have rookies come in you know you come in and you think it's about football and and that's what it is but there's also the business of football and that side of things can be difficult for guys to understand when it comes down to oh someone will tell them oh it's just a numbers game well if you're in a position that has a lot of numbers in front of you you know you you tend to you look at that and find it very daunting Mm-hmm. So, um, so for you, yes, create energy. It means that you have to come in here every day, give everything you have, and yes, many times you're going to leave here spent, but you know you've put in a great day's work. What? Uh, how do you balance the idea of, of you know you got to fight for your for your job, also with the idea that you're part of a team here, so you got to work within the team structure. Is uh, is that one? I mean, I, I got to get to the, the whole thing here. I have right. eight million questions <laughs> because I want to, you know, I want to know what you, you get the player the, the minute they become Eagles, yes, right? Yes. I mean, literally you're yes. one of the very first people. Yes. What are you telling kids just in general? In general, we're telling them welcome mm-hmm. and that uh, they're about to embark on a fantastic journey. Um, it's not going to be easy, but your coaches are going to take care of you. The staff is here to take care of you. Everything is in place for you to be successful. But also understand, and I, and I do tell them this, you're trying to take another man's job. So the competition is going to be fierce. And, you know, sometimes guys aren't going to help you when you think you need help. But at the same time, you know, there are people in this building that will help you. And, uh, and the coaches are great resources for that. Do you find, Paul, that players in general listen to you? Because these are kids who have made it. They've had success all the way through life. and They didn't have you around. Right. And they've had people whispering in their ears, set, telling them things, and it's worked for them. Right. So when they get to this level, do they trust you? Um, trust is something that you have to build with them. And, uh, and most of the top five 
uh, conferences now, they have a person in my position working with the team. It may be a little different. Wait, in most, most, not every team has Not one? every team has Is that right? It. Yeah, not, not, not every college team has it. Right, so, right. I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, they're starting to catch up with that. So they're, they're starting to have um, an insight into who I might be. And so when I get them so early, I tell them, you know, I'm going to tell you guys the truth whether it's good, bad, or ugly, but you can trust me that I'm going to tell you the truth. And sometimes, you know, that's hard. And it's hard for them to hear things that, you know, oftentimes it's difficult. Like, hey, man, you, you need to pick it up. People are watching you. And it's like, oh, okay, I need to pick it up. So for the most part, that's kind of what it is. You have to build that trust, and it does take a little bit of time. But because, you know, both myself and Kathy – um, are one of the first ones to meet them, and we're some of the most honest with them. They build that trust. Do you ever, Paul? Have you ever had to say, "Hey, you know, you might want to have, might want to change your circle of friends here, or you yes. might want to stop listening to this person"? Absolutely, absolutely. It, and 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 sometimes, sometimes it's family. So it's tough love. You're yeah. Giving. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes, hey, look, I know that's your cousin, but you know, they're leading you down a bad path, mm-hmm. and you know, it may be tough to hear at the time, but. You have to be honest with them. And, and, you know, luckily here we have Dom, who's our uh, VP of security. Same thing. I said everyone here is on that same level when it comes to being honest with our guys. And that honesty breeds trust. And then so, so you, you bring them in. You're, you're talking. What other things are you t- Because then they get into the football and they realize mm-hmm. that they've got to be on point. They've got to be on time at, to every meeting. Yep. The pressure for these young guys Absolutely. is really, really intense, isn't it? Absolutely. So um, during the course of our in-season programming, we talk about decision-making. We talk about time management. Um, and, and that's huge because you have to be able to manage your time at this level. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't get any easier. It gets harder as the year goes along. And because hopefully you're winning. And, you know, the more you win, the more time you have to put into it. Right. People don't understand, oh, oh I'm – I'm not winning, you know, so I'm going to let off. No, when you're winning, you got to put that time in. Yeah, and it's, and then they, they get here and they've got to deal with some pressures that, well, we all would love to deal with more money, right. more fame. This is not easy for anybody, certainly not for a 21, 22, 23-year-old kid. Right. So what's your advice? Do you tell them to stay off social media? Do you tell them no. to stay in their apartments? Right. Don't go out and, and, and live it up? One of the things that we do talk about is just managing that. And, you know, it's tough now because when I came in, there was no social media. <laughs> you know? You're that so, old. Yeah, so I'm, am I. I'm that old. So, you <laughs> there know, were no cell phones when no, I came in. You know, they, I, I can remember when I first came in, my, I got my first uh, Motorola StarTac flip phone, <laughs> and I was so excited. But, Which I think Lane Johnson still has, by oh, the way. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of guys are going off the grid, man. Are they? Oh, yeah. yeah good for them. But, uh, but, yeah, we, you know, for these guys, it, it's, it's important. It's important. Um, what about the idea of being uh, a grown ma- being a grown man in a 22 year old body and some of the inherent pressures of that? And let's be honest with you. What about the idea of women? Do you, do you oh, address the idea of women? We 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 have some conversations about that and and understanding that uh, not everybody has their best interests in mind. There you go. So you and have it's not to just be, women. It's, it, it's not, business it's, associates. It's all that. It's stuff. everybody. So you have to be on guard. Is it fair? No, but it's one of the sacrifices you have to make when you want to be at this level. And, you know, if you want to be elite and you have to focus on the task at hand. Paul, what kind of financial guidance does the league, the teams, I'm sure you have many, many conversations at very high levels in the league. You know, people always say, how can players go broke? Why don't they just take, 
you know, a huge chunk of their money, put it into an account that's really safe, it's going to be there forever, and be, be done with it instead right. of buying cars. What, what, what is the financial message? Most of our players, and, and I, I say most, that's not necessarily true, but some of them, um, have not had a relationship with money, right? Where, you know, they get money, they spend money. That's how their parents did it. That's how their grandparents did it. Um, so they don't have that relationship. So we actually do have financial sessions um, during the course of our um, rookie experience. And, you know, I have uh, financial advisors come in. Um, we also work with the NFL as they provide um, services as well. And um, it, it's, it's tough because, to your point, why can't we tell them, oh, just put money aside? Well, they're coming in with many different circumstances. So their family may need help. Um, you know, they may be married um, and, and have their own family that they're, they're working with. Uh, so they don't really know. Um, a lot of times, I mean, we talk about, about they don't know about taxes. So Right, they think they're making a million dollars a year that they're going to walk away with a million dollars a year. That, that million dollar signing bonus you have, yeah, yeah that's not a million dollars. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's hard for yeah. them to really comprehend all of the things that, uh, that work around their finances. So we try to help them and help guide them down that line. Paul, statistically, what is the average life expectancy of an NFL player in the league? How many years in the so league? So in the league, I still, I think it's still at three point seven years. Unbelievable. And they they qualify for a pension after three years. After four years. After four years. So it's so oh. it's three three seasons and three games. And so if you if you are drafted at the age of twenty two and you play three point seven years, yes. you are. Almost 26 years old. You got a whole life Correct. ahead of you. How about the education part of it? How many of the kids come in, if there are numbers that, that right. bear this, with already have their degrees? Um, we are increasing that number. You're seeing a lot of players that, you know, they may be uh, fifth year seniors, so on. But uh, I, I think now we're looking at it, we're bringing in a different caliber of player also. Um, so even if they are, you know, juniors, that come in, a lot of them are close to getting their degrees. And that's something that's big for me. Both of my parents were educators. So education and continued education and internships, those are very high on my meter. Um, so one of the things that I do talk to guys about is going back to school, getting your degree if you don't already have it. And the and university will still pay for it, correct? Now, de depending on the situation, um, the university will honor most um, scholarships. But after your first season, the NFL will actually um, help pay for that. Is that right? Yes. How many players yes. take advantage of that then? Um, last year, I want to say we had five guys go back to college. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's all about information. You know, we make sure that that information is given to the players. Now, a lot of times it's hard because you have to be very dedicated to do that. And you have to have it in, in your mindset that after the season, I'm going to go to school. Um, a lot of guys really don't want to make that commitment because, let's face it, it's a long season. Um, they need to take care of their bodies. They need some time off. They need to spend some time with their families. So it is. it can be difficult to, mm -hmm. to carve out that time. But if you're committed to it, and as I said, we had five guys go back you know, and, start and continue working on their degrees. And I think you know, every year that's fantastic. What are the pressures? What are the obstacles? What are the challenges the players have? We've talked about the, the, the workload, the time management, taking a man's job, the financial part of it. Mm -hmm. Media? Media media can be a, a stressor, um, but you know, one of the things that we, we talk about is um, clearing the mental clutter and, and how 
how can you do that? Um, some of the services that we provide uh, from our mental health professionals, um, we actually, the NFL and the NFLPA actually just uh, combined to get each team a uh, mental health professional. And so we want to... It's available. It's available to all of our players. Okay. And so, you know, our, our mental health professionals here 12 hours a week. And, um, you know, he does a fantastic job. We just tried to indoctrinate him into the team, into the fabric. Um, he does not report to anybody on the team. Uh, so it's totally independent. And it's all, has everything the players say to them is in confidence. Confidence. Yeah. And so it, it provides a safe haven for guys that are dealing with some things that, you know, may not want to talk to me or coach about. Okay, what else? Uh, women, money. All of the above. The <laughs> physical pain of the game, overcoming, right. playing injured, playing hurt. And then I guess just kind of figuring out the stress of, am I good enough to be in this league? And, and that's, once again, clearing mental yeah. clutter because yeah. you have ups and downs during the season. And, you know, one game you can be on top of the world. You know, next game, you know, might not have a, such a good game. And, you know, you're feeling low. And so how do you maintain during the course of that time? And you have to have a good support staff around you, um, whether it's myself, whether it's Dom, Kathy, Joe, our mental health professional. Um, and that's just here. When you go home, who are you going home to? What type of situation are you going home to? And, and how are you going to deal with that when you get there? You've been in the league a long time, Paul, 16 years with the yeah. Bills, third year here. What's changed for players in these last 20 years? It's, it's almost as, you know, things change, things remain the same. We, we still see a lot of um, the same incidences. Um, we, we really have to you know, help educate our players to, you know, some of the things that are out there. And, you know, technology has changed things. Social media. Social media has changed things. Um, it's, it's been tough because, you know, players come home and, and they deal with it, you know, as early as high school, as early as middle school. You know, I have a younger son who plays high school football. And, you know, I tell him, you have to stay off that social media. If you, you know, have a bad game, you know, you don't want to go on there. If you have a great game because people make you think you're the best thing in the world. I said, you know, you want to stay even. But, you know, from a young age now, they're having to deal with this social media presence in their entire life. And everybody has access to you. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas in the past, not every, you, you could go home and shut everything out. Right now, you can't. This is a weird question. And just I, I have this vision of like from 40 years ago of Stan Walters in the Eagles locker room smoking cigarettes. <laughs> When's the last time you saw a player smoke a cigarette? Um, it's been a long time. I mean, don't they don't like they don't do it it's, anymore? It's, it's been a long. They definitely time. take care of their bodies absolutely much more than they than they ever did. Well, I think you know with access to everything they have access to, you know, here you know between our sports science and our uh, our trainers and um, our strength and conditioning staff, they have everything they need on that front. And then nutrition has been a huge um, change in that because you know I can remember when I first started, you know, it was all about cheeseburgers and pizza and everything yeah. else and now you know it's you know baked chicken and and kale and and broccoli right and so, <laughs> i think it's good for you but it, it, i have to choke it down every day I, so I I, somebody say, else has to every once in a while i, I, I <laughs> can indulge but outside of that no 
Paul, um, the, we talked about young players, but there, there's mm -hmm. also this element of players as they leave the game. Right. And I, when I, the saddest thing, honestly, is when I see players who've been out of the game and they come back and they still, years later, don't really have a direction for their right. life. Right. And I, my theory is that a lot of times players, they're so regimented throughout their entire football life, they're on a schedule right. uh, that the team provides and that they have to live by, that when they get out of the game, they don't have a schedule. They don't know how to kind of program their day. Right. Any validity to that? Um, there's a lot of validity to that. Uh, and, uh, you know, players will say, and, and I know it's most common now, they, they miss the camaraderie. They miss the locker room. And, and all of that's true. But if you don't have a purpose, I think that's where it is. And, you know, some of the things that I try to talk to guys before they make that decision to, to leave is, is what is your purpose? What, what are your plans? And let's talk about, you know, do you have your degree? And once you get to that that point, if you have a guy that has played ten years in the league, you know he's thirty two. You know, if he does have his degree, maybe he wants to go back and get his master's. You know, maybe he wants to do some internships and find out you know what he's interested in. A lot of times, I like to talk to guys about you know, okay, let let's find out what you're not interested in. That way, we can take these off the table and we can hone in on some other things. But you know, the purpose. There has to be a purpose. There's a narrative out there, right or wrong, and some of it is certainly self-inflicted, that NFL players get away with a lot, that NFL players are lawless, that NFL players are a bit reckless, that they're, uh, they're trouble guys. Mm -hmm. Would you like to speak to that? Uh, I, I think that you know, the NFL is a microcosm of society. And you have to understand that you know, not all these guys are bad. And you know, I think very few of them are bad. Actually. I, I, I think they're I, nice, yeah. hardworking kids. Exactly, and and I think they get a bad rap. But let's be honest, the spotlight is on them, so everyone is uh, more focused, shall we say, on a football player than, let's say, you know, a an average right. Joe right. that's right. out there. You know, even though that average Joe might be doing things that are much worse. You know, the spotlight is on our guys, and you know. Our biggest thing is how do we protect them? How do, sometimes how do we protect them from themselves? And because some guys really don't know. And they have to understand that that spotlight is on them. Every time they walk out the house, they're on it. They're, they're, the, the cameras are on them. And so, you know, I think the more that they're aware of all of this, it kind of changes things a little bit. But we do talk about, guys, be careful where you go. You know, be careful who you're around. All, know that everybody has a camera now, and you know that's all we can do. And then it's up to them to make decisions. When something happens like Antonio Brown, right? Uh, do 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 the, does the league all of the all of the Pauls in the league get together and kind of compare notes, or do you like do you take notice of how the team o Oakland handled it, how New England handled it, and maybe how their uh, people in your position are, handle that situation? Right. It's it's not so much that we all get together and and. You know, compare notes. We we actually do that once a year, yeah. but not. You know, we do call back and forth um, if it deems necessary. But you know, in, in this situation, you know, we kind of watch how it plays out. They have um, parameters in place for things like this. Um, you know, they'll do the investigation, and then you know, after the investigation is done, you know, then it's up to teams to make decisions on whether or not uh, they want to have him be a part of their team. But the reality is, is that you know. Throughout the league, people in my position, they're prepared for this. You know, it's what we do. And we, wanna, we want our teams to win, but we want to do it in a manner that, 
you know, not only helps our team, but, you know, we're, we're concerned about our people too. So we want to make sure they're okay. And it's important that, you know, whatever that player is going through, that we know on some level, and then we can help address that. Do you, your office is located uh, on the floor next to, uh, right down the hall from the locker room. Right. So players pass your office every day, many times. Yes. Is it a nonstop stop in and, hey, I got to check in with Paul and everything's, <laughs> is it like that? Um, players do stop in. And, um, you know, sometimes I call players in just to touch base with them. Um, I typically do that after uh, games, just to, you know, make sure players are all right, uh, both physically and mentally. And, um, yeah, easy access to us. And I think that's why we're down there. And uh, we do have players that, you know, just stop in on the regular. Do you have an idea of what players are doing at all times? Um, in a sense. <laughs> in other words, like if, if, a, if a guy went out after we, we had a tough loss right. against Detroit yesterday, we're all down here today. If a player went out in the city last night and ripped it up a bit, you'd be aware of that. Um, for the most part. Yeah. Um, but we, we have other uh, things in place for, for that as well. So um, I kind of deal with uh, the, the back end of that. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, would, we would know. Yeah. Uh, final message here. The league cares about yes. its players. This cannot be understated here. It cannot be overstated. The, the, the idea that the, 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 all these programs are not there for the players, they are. And yeah, every team has this yes. mechanism in yes. place. They, they do. And it's whether or not people choose to utilize those services. Um, but you also have to build those relationships. You know, I like to think that we have uh, great relationships in this building. And you know, my thing has always been, you know, not every personality is going to job, but you need to have somebody. And so whether it's myself, whether it's Kathy, whether it's Dom, whether it's their coach, every player needs to have somebody in this building that they can talk to, that they can vent to, that they feel comfortable having a conversation with, that it's not going outside of these four walls. It's just you and I having a conversation. And I think that by providing that solitude, Players are going to be all right. Okay. We've got five questions here for Paul Lancaster. Lancaster, excuse me. I like to get names right. Uh, who grew up in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, 40 miles south of Pittsburgh, earned a bachelor's degree in psychology, a master's degree in counseling yes. from California, Pennsylvania, also played some basketball there. Yes. Uh, in the history of players, Paul, question number one that you've worked with, who's had the, who sticks out as the guy who maybe had the best post-career plans? Ooh. I would say John Dornbos because he always kind of he always worked on that part of it, and I know you worked with him <laughs> yeah. as well in Buffalo. I, and and I'll be very honest with you, uh, John was phenomenal, is phenomenal. Yeah, and he has always had that talent. Um, when when he was in Buffalo, um, I'll never forget the the trick he did with uh, our owner at the time, Mr. Wilson, where you know he eventually had his watch off of his hand, and right <laughs> before we, he left the party, came back, oh, Mr. Wilson, you're, I, I think you're missing this. <laughs> He took his watch he off took his, his arm. Watch. He took oh, his watch right great. off his arm, and, and Mr. Wilson had no clue. I mean, so so by far, he he has the the plans. I mean, from you know the shows that he's been on, the the ability to network the way that he has, um, he he has it together. Are there? Do you find a lot of guys have a sense of what they want to do after playing? I, I find that guys they may not have a, a true sense. Some do, some don't. But that's why we're here too. You know, so to help guide them down that road and help them facilitate that if they need to. Number two, what is the toughest aspect of your job? Dealing with um, players that have to move on from the career or move on from the team. 
Um, that is never an easy day. Cut down days are very difficult because I meet with everyone that uh, gets released. Um, and that's never an easy thing. Uh, some guys will go on to different teams. Uh, some guys are you know, not going to have that opportunity. Um, we do have uh, things in place for, for players that are making that transition. Uh, both the NFLPA and the NFLPA Trust um, have programs in place for that. So we do give out that information. Um, but that has to be the toughest aspect of it. You see a lot of tears, I'm sure, because they give so much of their right. of their lives to, to trying to make it here. You're coming off of wh- whether you've had a long training camp or whether you've had, you know, a decent career. It's never easy when when th- they don't leave on their own terms, and not play. Not many players get to leave on their own terms. Question number three: What advice would you have for those who want to someday be the next Paul Lancaster? Ooh, um, network. Network and um, get your degrees and do work with your football teams. So, you know, whether you're in high school, you know, whether you play football, um, get to know the coaches, get to know the, the staff. You know, in college, you know, I typically like to tell people go back and get your master's, work as a GA with a football team. That way you get to know what a team is like, you know, from the inside out and just network. Um, I get letters. You know, every so often asking me how to do it and, you know, just reach out to us. You know, most of most of our the people in my my vein, they'll help. Yeah. And they're developing this more and more and more at the college. Yes. Level. But you yes. did this at, at Penn State? No, I was more of a career counselor at Penn State. It's almost as if the, the position was drawn for the up for the general population or for the sports? For the, no, for the, gen, for the general population, okay. everybody. Okay. So, so, yeah, I worked at Penn State Beaver and um, it was a branch campus. And, you know, I, I did career counseling there. I was also the head of the uh, Residence Life program. So I, I got to know people. And, you know, that's that's all it's about is, is getting to know people and helping people. So how did you get to Buffalo, the Bills? <laughs> I actually did an internship with uh, Dr. Kevin Elko, who um, actually works as one of our uh, mental health professionals and performance guys. And I did my internship with him. He's known me since I was 10 years old. And he came, comes out of Brownsville, too, and went on to work at the Olympic level. And at the time, he got to know uh, Tom Donahue as one of his best friends. Um, after I did my internship and Tom took the job in Buffalo, Tom wanted someone in the position that was a former athlete but had the degrees. And he, Tom was way ahead of his time and, and thinking outside of the box on things. So uh, I actually interviewed with Tom at the Pittsburgh airport mm. and, uh, you know, he went one way, I went another way and, I, you know, I kind of forgot about it. But, you know, I got a call and said, Paul, you know, come on to Buffalo. Wow. So this is a great segue because he wanted a former athlete. Now, you played basketball at the University of California in Pennsylvania. Yep. I'm sorry, at Cal P. Yep. Uh, what kind of game did you have? I initially went to the United States Naval Academy to play. Oh, yeah. I went to Navy prep out of high school, and then I went down to the Naval Academy. Um, I realized that the Naval Academy life wasn't really for me. Why? Um, I wasn't a very disciplined person at the time, Mm -hmm. and so uh, I had a very difficult time with the regulations. (laughs) Um, I I spent some time on the Admiral's carpet. (laughs) All Um, right, all right. That's part of life, too. Finding out what you're not good at. (laughs) Find find out. And so... uh, I ended up doing a year and a half active duty and uh, ended up uh, having some opportunities to decide when I when I got out of the military to uh, what school I wanted to go to. 
and um, I decided it was time to go home. And so in making that decision, I talked to some people and I went to play for Cal U. Um, it was a little different there because it was a D2 school. Um, when I played at Navy, I was a, uh, a three. And so I moved outside and, you know, when I went to Cal, I was a four and a five. And so, um, which means I had my back to the basket. Sure. And I hadn't done that since probably my junior year in high school. <laughs> and so uh, that was a transition for me. You're a big man all of a sudden. Yeah, and all of a sudden I'm back to being a big man and, and I, I was really not used to it. So um, there were some ups and downs with that, but um, I would not have changed that time for anything. Where were you in relation to David Robinson's time at Navy? So I actually played with uh, David's brother, Chuck Robinson. Okay. And uh, Chuck was a phenomenal guy. I actually met Dave twice, um, once on my visit uh, to Annapolis. And then once, whenever uh, I was down there at Navy Prep, we were going to play. And uh, Dave was down there uh, working out with the team. And uh, I can tell you that I haven't seen a man quite that large do the things he could do with yeah. the basketball. All right, last question for Paul Lancaster here. We'll end with a little comedy. I just, I don't know why I like this question, but I ask a lot of people this question. I asked Cam Johnston this question last week. If you caught a kickoff at the goal line in an NFL game and caught it cleanly, mm -hmm. what yard line would you return the ball to before you got just destroyed and pulverized and crushed in a kickoff return? Ooh, now? Now. Now. Because I think I'm, I'm trying to relate this to the average person out there that thinks it's easy. I don't, I don't think I can make it to the 10-yard line. I, I was going to say, uh, if I caught it at the one, I would hope I'd make it to the five. <laughs> but I I couldn't tell you before I pulled a hamstring. <laughs> um, yeah, probably the five. Yeah, it's, a, it's such an incredibly fast physical game. And people need to appreciate that. When you, when you see it up close, it's on these athletes. These guys are incredible, incredible athletes. Yeah, this they're special. They're 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 special human beings. And you know, no, I, I don't think I could go take that hit. Paul Lancaster, thank you so much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Truly an interesting, informative, uh, very entertaining conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. All right, that was great stuff from Paul Lancaster. Thanks so much for that. We thank Doug Peterson as well. And we thank you for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. The Eagles on the way to Green Bay. We'll have complete coverage on Thursday. Our Exalta kickoff show comes your way starting at 7.50 p.m. on Philadelphia time. That comes to you live from the Novacare Complex as well as Lambeau Field. And then our postgame show presented by Rico recaps everything live. We go into the locker room. We hear from the quarterback, the coach, everyone involved in this huge Eagles-Packers game at Lincoln Financial Field. Thanks to Peter Kelly for putting it all together. Once again, thanks to you for joining each and every week here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. And I am live immediately after the game with the Eagles Insider Podcast Instant Reaction. We are getting that out to market quickly, so make sure you're with us to find out the instant reaction from the locker room. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, everyone. Eagles insider Dave Spadaro saying, fly, Eagles, fly.